Okay, so we are holding in Perik, by Perik Chaf, chapter 20, of Melachim Aleph. Um, the last few Perakim of Melachim Aleph really deal with the end of Achav and Achav's reign. We've been dealing with one of the worst kings of Klal Yisrael. His name was, uh, or, or of the, uh, should, I should say more of uh, uh, the Mamlachas Yisrael, the ten tribes, and that was Achav and his wife Izevel, one worse than the other. Um, and they were Abed Zara, and again, she even worse than him. And we had a little bit of the showdown between Achav, uh, not a little bit, we had the great showdown of Achav and the Nevi Habal versus Elio Hanavi. And that we learned last week. Um, Perak Yudches was that Perak, where Elio Hanavi uh, had the great contest on Har Carmel, Mount Carmel, with the 450 prophets of the Baal. And uh, Klal Yisrael saw the truth of Hashem, and they all called out Hashem Huelakim. That was in Perik Yudches. In Perik Yutes, we had where Izevel, Achav's wife, threatened Elio with his life, said she would have him put to death, and Elio had to run away. Um, he ran away, and he ultimately came to Har Sinai, the place where Hashem gave the Torah, and there he had these tremendous uh, visions of Hashem. And basically, Hashem gave him some instructions of anointing a new king for Yehuda, a new king for, um, uh, for Mal- Malchi Yisrael. Uh, for Aram and a new Navi, and all that happened in the previous parak. And that brings us to where we're holding, which is the beginning of Perak Chof. The parak begins with a, a war that began at that time. As it says here, Ben Hadad Melech Aram. Ben Hadad, we know a neighboring kingdom of the Jewish people was Aram, who had different types of relationships with Chalitzot, sometimes better, sometimes worse. And here we have the king is Ben Hadad, king of Aram. And he gathered a, a huge army to fight Achav, to fight Achav and his armies. Says he had this king of Aram gather 32 kings together with him. And all of them were going to lay siege and lay battle on Achav, who lived in the Shomron, which was, in, which was part of Eretz Yisrael. He sent messengers to Achav and he says, So said Hadad, the king of Aram. He says, Your silver, your gold, the women, the children, everything that's good belongs to me. In other words, basically he threatened him. He says, I have this massive army over here. I want you to understand that all of you are, will be servants to me. And Achav recognized this, that uh, he was very, very outnumbered. And he sort of, he said, okay. He says, fine. Uh, the king of the Jewish people, Achav, answers and he says, yeah, okay. Okay. He says, you're right, okay, we, 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 we will belong to you. So the, the messengers come back again, and they says, listen, I said, your silver, your gold, your, your women, your children, they're all mine. He says, tomorrow I send my servants, or my soldiers, and they search and take whatever they want. And then he adds, V'hoya komachmad einecha, yasimu biyadam vilakahu. All that's truly... The, the Mahmad Necha, the most precious thing that you have, my servants will take from you. And at this point, Achav goes to the, um, he tells to the Zkenim of the Jewish people, and he says, listen, he wants everything. And he even wants, call Mahmad Necha, even the most beloved thing to me. How can I do it? And the Zkenim said, you're right. He says, you can't do it. You can't give him everything. Now, and, and then, so, so uh, this um, Achav sends back with the servants and says, you know what, you asked me the first time I can do, but when you asked me the second time, this I cannot do. 
Now, it's unclear in the Psukim what exactly was added in the second time. Um, the first time he said, also, I'll take everything, you know, everything will be mine, I'll be the owner, uh, I'll be your master. The second time he added words, kol machmadinecha, that which is most treasured to you, I want to take that as well. And this is where Achav stalls, and he says, I can't give it to you. What are we talking about? And the Gemara tells us something very interesting here. Again, in the, in the words of the Navi, it's, it's somewhat unclear. It doesn't say what it was. The Gemara says that when he said, I'm taking every, the most treasured things to you, he was talking about the Sifri Torah. And the Gemara says something amazing. Achav was a Russia, no question. Um, and Achav was idolatrous. Um, and he was a Russia at many levels. But the Sefer Torah was always dear to Klal Yisrael, even to Rishon, even to someone like Achav. And when this king of Aram says, I'm going to come and desecrate all your Sefer Torah, that's where Achav stands up and says, no, no, that now. You know, you can be, uh, we can be servants to you, but you want to desecrate our Sefer Torah, that will never do. And um, the Gemara says that that's an interesting gift that Hashem gave us, that the Sefer Torah is dear to a Yid. And no matter what type of Yid, no matter how far a person might stray, the Sefer Torah was dear. And the story of Achav is brought to illustrate this, that when he's asked for kol machmadinecha, thing which is most treasured, the most treasured um, thing that, that there is by a Yid is the Sefer Torah. And here even Achav says, no, no, that, I'm not, that we're not going to give to you. That's how the Gemara explains it. Again, in the Psukim, it doesn't say that clearly. It just says there was something additional, precious that he asked for, that Achav, you know, suddenly um, said, this not. And the Gemara explains we're talking about the Sifri Tayyar. Okay. Says the Pasuk, so, so, uh, so the servants uh, come back, or the messengers come back to this Ben-Hadad, king of Aram. And they say, no, Achav said, no, he's not giving it to you. So Ben-Hadad sends back a threat. He says, I'm going to come, uh, I'm going to come after you with my entire armies. He says, there isn't enough land in your country for my soldiers, each one, to take one fistful of earth. He said, I have so many soldiers, we're going to drown you. This Ben-Hadad of Aram threatens Achav. And Achav answers in Pasuk Yudalef, an interesting answer, which actually becomes a pretty uh, known quote. He says, Al Yishalil Choyger Kimifateach. Al Yishalil Choyger Kimifateach means one who's going out to battle should not praise themselves like one who's already coming back from battle. In other words, don't be so big with your threats. You never know when you're going out to battle what's actually going to be. Uh, the Rebbe would use this Pasuk and talk about uh, that uh, sometimes we make good achlatas, good uh, resolutions. He says, ultimately, you can never be sure until after you've done it. When you just decided to do something, then you have the potential. But the ultimate praise is not for the one who has the good potential, but for when we're actually uh, able to bring that into, uh, into fruition. And that's what Achav tells this Ben Haddad. He says, don't be so sure of yourself. You know, you have a big army, but uh, don't praise yourself just yet. So the uh, king of uh, this Ben-Hadad, the king of Aram, hears this, and he's uh, sitting with the kings that are surrounding him. We said he had 32 kings surrounding him. And he says, okay, let's lay siege to the cities, the cities of Eretz Yisrael. Says the Pasuk, there was a Navi, a, a true Navi, a Navi of Hashem. It doesn't say here in the Pasuk the name of the, of the Navi. We'll see later. It's the Navi Michayu, Michayu ben, ben Yimla. Not so known to us, but here in the here here he plays a role. The Navi comes to Achav, Melech Yisrael, and he says, Koy Amar Hashem, so says Hashem. 
Do you see this huge army that's um, laying siege to your cities? Hashem said, although the army is huge and although you don't see how you can be victorious against them, He says, I will give them into your hands. Hashem, And you shall know that I am Hashem. And um, Achav says, well, who should I send to this battle? After all, this army is magnificent. It's huge. Who I, who's going to go before us? And the Navi says, don't send many people. Send the uh, youth, the Nare Sore Hamadina. Send the, uh, the children of the princes of your lands. And who should lead the battle, says Achav? So the Navi says, you should lead the battle. And so Achav gathers these group of, of children, you know, young uh, lads of the uh, Sari Hamadinas, of the, uh, of the princes, and he says there's only 230 of them, 230 such soldiers. And then it says he added an additional 7,000 soldiers. Now you may recall the number 7,000 from last week, when Hashem told Eliyahu Navi that there's 7,000 Jews who never bowed to the Baal. And Hashem says, ultimately, all, all will die aside from those 7,000. These are the 7,000 that Achav sent to this battle. Because he knew that this battle could not be won naturally. Um, again, Aram had a massive army. And Achav was vastly outnumbered. And he knew the only way is just go by following the Navi and putting his trust in Hashem. And therefore he chose these people who had not bowed to the Baal. He recognized they're more ruchnistic people, more spiritual people. And hopefully Hashem would help him through them. And that's what he did. He gathered all these people. He says, and they went out in the afternoon. And Ben-Hadad, the king of Aram, was sitting with his kings and they were drinking and they were half drunk. And here, he says, he says these, uh, these lads of the princes went and they go out with these 7,000 Jew, uh, Jewish soldiers and uh, some of the sentries or the guards come to Ben-Hadad and they say, oh, there's some Jewish people that are leaving their encampment, their camp. And Hadad says, capture them alive. And these Um, again, these uh, 230 uh, lads, together with the 7,000 soldiers, come out and they start fighting, and miraculously, they're tremendously successful. And each one, any soldier that comes their way, they're able to, uh, they're able to smite him. And, and they won the battle. The, the, the battle totally turned its tide, and the Melachis, and the king, the king Achav went out in front of them, and they were just uh, very, very very, very successful in that first battle. And, and Ben-Hadad had to retreat with his massive armies. The Navi comes again before Achav and he says, the war is not over. He says, strengthen yourself because they're coming back. They're coming back at the beginning of the year. It says, uh, as the year turns, it doesn't say how long that was going to be, a couple months or whatever. He says, this army that you just were able to be victorious over uh, with Hashem's help, they're coming back. No, the Pasik goes on in Pasik of Gimel and says that the servants of this king of Aram, this Ben-Hadad, told him, he says, that was really odd that we lost that battle. We were so much more than them. It must be that the god of the mountains helped the Jewish people because there was a war that we fought in the mountains. Maybe they have some type of a mountainous god. What we have to do is we have to fight them in the plains, in the valleys. And there will be, and there will definitely be successful. They tell this Ben-Hadad. And he said, another thing is, have the ones leading them in the battle, not the kings. Kings are, you can't, can't rely on kings because kings are not going to put their life in danger on the battlefield. You have to put in, you know, warrior soldiers. 
and uh, again, gather a vast army and go fight the Jewish people. That's what Ben-Hadad's advisors, again, the advisors of Ben-Hadad, the king of Aram, are telling him. And that's exactly what he does. And as the Navi said, it was at the beginning of the year, beginning of Rosh Hashanah time, that again, they come in here, now they're going to meet in a place called Af- uh, uh, Afik, and that's already a valley. And again, there is this tremendous uh, face-off of the massive armies of Aram and the armies of Achav. And again, again um, the Pasuk says that the, the, they were vastly outnumbered, the, the, uh, the soldiers of Achav. And again, the Navi comes before Achav. The man of Hashem comes before him and he says, he says, you have nothing to worry about. Hashem said, these people, they're all, they're all idol worshippers and they came, they said that it was, it was the God of the mountains that helped the Jewish people last time. He says, Hashem is going to put, give them all into your hands. But this time, you have to be fully victorious about them and you have to destroy them. And don't let the king live, don't let anyone live. This is the only way you're going to be rid of them. So then, then the Pasuk says that the two armies encamp um, facing each other for seven days. And it was in the seventh day that the, uh, that the battle actually began. And again, the Klal Yisrael was unbelievably successful. It says a couple of thousand Jewish people on that day killed 100,000 of this massive army of Aram, led by the king Ben-Hadad. Okay, Pasuk Lamed, all those who are the defeated armies running away, and they run into, into the city of Afek, and then the walls of the city fall down. Another 27,000 27, uh, of the soldiers are killed. And Ben-Hadad, the king, the king Ben-Hadad himself, runs away, and he hides. He hides in a room. But they recognize that the, you know, the game's up. The Jewish uh, army is in hot pursuit. So his servants come to him and say, listen, we heard about the kings of the Jewish people, that they're Malchi Chesed, the kings of kindness. Let's, uh, you know, let's offer... Let's tell them that we um, that we are um, we, we're giving in, and um, perhaps they'll save us. And that's what they do. They put on a sackcloth, and they put uh, they surround themselves with ropes, and they come out, and they tell um, the king of Yisrael, He says, "Your servant Ben Hadad is asking that you let him live." And here Achav had explicit instructions from the Navi not to let him live, to destroy the entire kingdom. But now Achav, already now that he's now that the war is behind him, so he's not, uh, you know, as we, as you know, Achav's not a tzaddik, and he didn't follow the words of the Navi. And he says, "Sure, he's my friend. I have no problem with that." And therefore, they bring him this king, the king of uh, Ben Hadad, the king of Aram. And Achav says, "Let's make a peace treaty. It's all good between you and me. Let's figure out what happened." And that's what he says. So at this point, Achav, where he was just delivered miraculously by Hashem and the Navi twice, so here he goes against Hashem. And instead of, instead of putting to death the king, that really was the one who was the uh, enemy of Chal Yisrael here, he makes a treaty with him. And the Pesach says in Lamed Hay that the Navi, the Navi here, here's what happened. And one of the interesting things that Nevi'im sometimes did was instead of just saying verbally a Nevuah, they sort of acted it out. It was just one of the things we have by Nevi'im. They wanted to, the way Chassidus explains it, is they wanted to bring down the Nevuah and connect it to to the uh, physical happening. So they acted it out through some, uh, like a physical, giving it a physical um, you know, grasp or hold. So it says here that one of the Nevi'im, or it calls him the B'nai Nevi'im, tells his friend, he says, Hashem said that you should smite me, you should hit me. His friend said, no, I'm not going to hit you. 
So he says, because you didn't listen to what Hashem said and you didn't hit me when I told you to, so you'll go out and a, and a lion will attack you. And that's exactly what happened. What he was trying to say, this was a nevu on Achav, that Achav was told to smite, to kill this king Ben-Hadad, and he didn't. And the nevu was that he was ultimately, ultimately going to lose his life, Achav, for this. He met another person, and he says, again, Hashem said that you should hit me. The other person back, hit him, and came out a drop of blood from the Navi. At that point, the Navi goes before the king, and he covers his face with some type of a, uh, a face covering. And the uh, king is passing by him, and he calls out and says, King, King Achal, I have a question for you. He says, I was given during the war, someone came and asked me to watch someone for him. And he said that I'm responsible for him. If, if he gets, um, if, he, if this person that you're watching is lost, then you should be lost. I should pay for him. And that's what happened. He says, I lost the person. So Achav says, listen, you took on, you were told something to, you were told to do something. So you have to, uh, you carry the responsibility. So the Navi removes the covering from his face and he says, Hashem and Pasuk Membez, that is. He says, you were told, you were given, Hashem delivered you miraculously from the hands of the, of the nation of Aram. And you were told that you have to kill the king. And you didn't. So, your nefesh, your soul, will, will go. Well, you, you, you yourself will die in the place of the king that you were supposed to die. And your nation will be punished as well. The, the parak finishes, The king of uh, Achav went to his house. And he was upset. He was angry. And he came to his house in the Shomron. And that's the end of Perek Chof. So then Perechav basically is a story of, of a couple of battles of Achav with the king of Aram, Ben-Hadad. And in both of these battles, the king Achav was miraculously successful and based on the words of the Navi of Hashem. But again, he rebelled on Hashem by not putting to death the king of Aram and therefore the Navi prophesied his ultimate downfall. That's the idea of Perechav. So we're, we're moving towards the, down, the ultimate downfall of Achav and talking about certain sins that ultimately led up to it. Excuse me just for one moment, please. Okay, Perek Chof Aleph. And again, we're continuing the stories that lead up to the downfall of Achav and his kingdom. Was after these were these uh, these events, Kerem There was a Kerem, there was a vineyard. That that vineyard belonged to a person named Novois, who came from the uh, area called uh, Yisrael. Sounds like Yisrael, but it's like I guess it was a area in Eretz Yisrael. And he lived near the chambers of Achav, the king. And Achav desired that vineyard. This novice had a beautiful vineyard. Achav is the king. Achav looks out of his window and he sees this vineyard that belongs to this gentleman named Novice. And Achav talks to Novice and he says, give me your vineyard. I need it for my, I want to have a garden. I want to have gardens there, royal gardens. It's close to my home. And I'll give you, you know, I'll pay you for it. I'll give you another vineyard somewhere else. I'll give you money if you want, but give me this vineyard. And Novice says, no. 
No, he says, not just I'm not going to give it to you, I'm not allowed to give it to you. There is a halacha in the Torah that property should not um, be given from one tribe to the other tribe. There is a halacha that we haven't talked about in a long time here in Navi, but way back in the beginning of Yeshua, we talked a lot about that. The Eretz Yisrael was divided up to tribes, and what belongs to a certain tribe is supposed to, is meant to stay in that tribe. So therefore, Navais tells Achav, I'm not allowed to give it to you. Halachically, I'm not allowed to give it to you because this belongs to my Sheva, to my tribe. Achav did not like the answer. Pasuk Dalit, Achav comes to his home and he's upset. And he goes to bed and he didn't eat, didn't eat food that night. He's angry. He didn't get what he wanted. Comes Achav's wife, Izevel, and says, what's the story? What are you so upset about, Achav? Why, why, why are you going to bed? Why, why are you not eating? And he says, he said, I'll tell you the story. He says, I, I talked to this novice and I want his vineyard. Um, and he doesn't want to give it to me. And that's why I'm angry. So Izevel says, he doesn't want to give it to you. You're angry. I'll take care of it. I'll, I'll get it for you. Since when, since when, because he doesn't want to give it to you, doesn't mean you can't take it. We'll take care of business for you. And Izevel, what does she do? So Izevel calls to the Jewish people and says, Let's have a fast day. Again, there's certain certain minhagim that, that again, in the olden days were just more prevalent. Today we don't have. And she said, in the olden days, when you have a fast day, what, what was the first thing that people did, aside from fasting, is it was about seeing if there's any sins, if there's any sinful behaviors that have to be changed. And here we're talking about a terrible Russia, but nevertheless, there was certain traditions that were there. And she says, she says, let's make a fast day. And during that fast day, we're going to judge people who sinned and whatever sins they do and we're going to create a judgment against this novice and basically she plotted to have this novice put to death and that's exactly what happened they sent out a royal proclamation that there's going to be a fast day and they called for a bezden and this was a mock bezden because it was set up by people of theirs and they called this novice to court and they hired two negative, two witnesses, two liars, two false witnesses. And the witnesses says that we heard that this novice cursed Hashem and cursed the king. And it's two witnesses, and the two witnesses told it to the judges. And the judges listened, and the, uh, again, the judges were paid off, and the witnesses were paid off. These are all people of Achav. And they put him to death. They killed Novice. They stole they stole by Skaluba, Vana by Yamas, the Pasik says in Gidgimel. They they killed Novice. Novice was put to death. And then uh, Isabel gets the message that the uh, you know the, the mission was successful, Novice is dead. When Isabel hears that Novice is dead, she comes to her husband Achav and she says, I took care of business. You can go and get that vineyard you wanted. You wanted the vineyard from Novice. Novice is not alive anymore, so therefore you have the ability to go and inherit that vineyard. It's interesting, she uses the word inheritance. And then in Gemara, there's a discussion about that. Why, why is he inheriting it? And then Gemara gives two opinions. According to one opinion, he was actually, they were related. According to one opinion, Novice was a cousin, and therefore Achav, once Novice is, is dead, so Achav comes as the next of kin, so to speak. It's one opinion. The other opinion is being that he was put to death by the Malchus, so his monies are inherited by the king. Okay, that's a, it's a legal question. Point is, that's what happened. That's what uh, Noviz did. And here we're going to see that this sin, although Achav and Nizevel sinned throughout their life, this is considered the cardinal sin, cardinal sin that led directly to their, 
to their downfall because this was uh, this was outright murder murder based on jealousy Vayidvar Hashem pasuk Yisayin Hatish Hashem's words came to Eliyahu Eliyahu Anavi is called sometimes Eliyahu Hatishbi because of where he came from. So Hashem gave nevuah to Eliyahu Anavi and Hashem says, "Go back to Achav." Right for for a long time, uh, Eliyahu and Achav had not seen each other. Remember, Eliyahu had escaped from Achav because Ezevel said that he was going to be put to death. But at this point, Hashem comes to Eliyahu Anavi and says, "I want you to go back to to, to Achav." And you'll find him in the vineyard of Novois that he went and he inherited wrongfully that vineyard. Vidibarta, you love Lamer. Hashem tells Elio, I want you to tell him. And he says, Harotzachta Vigam Yorashta. Not only you murder, but then you inherited. You took the properties of the one you murdered. And then you should tell him that just like the dogs um, drank or lapped up the blood of Novais who was killed through you, so too will they, will they lick your blood. You'll be, you'll, you will die just like you had Novais uh, killed. So, Wait, which Novais said that? No, Elio. This is still Elio and Novi. Elio and Novi, yeah. Okay, so not that other Novi. Right, not no Michio, not Michio. Michio was used, and we'll hear of him again, but this was, was specifically Elio because it's really Elio finishing up his business with Achav. Right? Remember, Elio and Achav already had faced off, and uh, now Achav just did another sin and another sin, and Elio and Novi is, is brought back in by Hashem to tell Achav that he's, that he's, that he's done. Um, and Achav says, what, are you also for my enemies? Like, why are you coming to tell me this? And Eliyahu says, yes. He says, because of the, the evil that you did in the eyes of Hashem. And Hashem says, I will bring to you bad from your, uh, and I will uh, destroy you and Yaakov and your, and your home, your household. And um, your, your kingdom will, will be destroyed just as your predecessor, Yeruvim ben Nevot and Basha ben Achia. These are different Melochim that we learned about in the chain of the Malchi Yisro. Because of the anger that you angered Hashem and brought sinfulness to the Jewish people. And the same is going to be with Izevel. You and Izevel are both going to be totally destroyed. And whether, you, whether you're children, you're in the city, or whether you're out of the city, wherever it is, the hand of Hashem is going to be with you and your family and totally bring destruction to your family. And the Pasuk says that there, at this point, the Pasuk says there never really was a king as bad as Achav in the Jewish people. Not before, not after. There was a lot of terrible kings, but Achav was just. Him and his wife Yisrael were lahakis to anger Hashem. No one ever angered Hashem like these two. And it says they, they brought a level of idolatry to the Jewish people that was never before, never after. And with that, Eliyahu finishes his nevuah. And Pasik says, when Achav hears these words, and Achav, it's interesting, we keep on reading, Achav on one end is a Russia, but on the other end, he definitely has this, this, uh, you know, we saw in the story of the Sefer Torah before. Here too, he totally believes Eliyahu Navi, and not just that, He's very broken. Vayikra bigodov. He rends his garments and he puts uh, sackcloth and ashes on and he and he fasts and he 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 uh, go, goes uh, barefoot and cries out to Hashem. In other words, he did some level of tshuva. This this tremendous Russia. So much so that in pasuk of Ches we learn vayidvar Hashem elaliyo atish bilemer. The words come from Hashem kelayo anavi and he says, I see that Achav has some seriousness in his tshuva. 
And therefore, the evil that I just promised on him, I won't bring during while he's alive, but rather his son. As the total destruction of the house of Achav was postponed one generation because of this somewhat this sincere tshuva that Achav de- did when Eliyahu Navi gave him this, this nevuah. It's interesting, in the Aseris he made tshuva on the first day of after Yom Kippur, I'm sorry, after Rosh Hashanah, in our slichas, we talk about how tshuva, how effective tshuva is, and we say different examples. And one of them is that even Achav's tshuva was accepted to a degree. So even, and we go through there in that, uh, in that piece of the liturgy, that piece of the slichas, different rishoyim that did tshuva, or I shouldn't say tshuva, different people that did tshuva. And Achav is, is uh, featured as one of the greatest rishoyim or worst rishoyim. And yet, when he did tshuva, Hashem always accepts tshuva. And even though the punishment is going to have to happen, Hashem says, not this generation, because of the tshuva that he did. And that brings us to the Perik of Beis, the final Perik of the Sefer. Says the Pasuk, The Jewish people went then another three years. And in Melchama ben Aram ben Yisrael, for three more years that there was no war. You know, we will recall that the Jewish people were miraculously victorious over Aram. So now there's, there's three years, there's three years of quiet. Okay. Now we have, we're going to meet someone we, we've, we've, we've sort of forgotten for a while about the other kingdom. The, the kingdom of Malchi Yehuda, right? As we've said a number of times, as we go through the book of Malachim, we're really going from one side to the other. We spend some time with the Malchi Yehuda, then we go to the Malchi Yisrael and back. So for the last, I think last, like two classes, last number of Shurim, um, or the number of Prakim that is, we're dealing with Achav and the kings of Beis Yisrael, of the Malchus Yisrael, the ten tribes. Who's the king now on the other side of the river? Who's the king for the two tribes? So the king now is a person's name is Yehoshaphat. Yehoshaphat, we, we heard his name. He, Yehoshaphat is the son of, of Asa. Asa was a great noble king of the two tribes of Yehuda. Asa was a king for over 40 years. And after him, his son Yehoshaphat became king, who was also a tzaddik. So now, in Pasuk Beis, Perich of Beis, Pasuk Beis, we read about the king Yehoshaphat. And it says, It was the third year that there was no war. And Yehoshaphat, the king of Yehuda, comes to visit Achav, the king of Yisrael. Okay, so whereas in the past we read about wars between the ten tribes and the two tribes, at this point they're going to work together, at least a little bit as we see. So Yehoshaphat, the king of Yehuda, comes to visit Malach Yisrael, which is Achav. And at this point, Achav says to his servants, he says, you know, the area called Ramos Gilad really belongs to us, to the Jewish people, but the king of Aram is there. He has his people. He's um, occupying Ramez Gilad. So Achav turns to Yehoshaphat. Again, Achav Melech Yisrael turns to Yehoshaphat Melech Yehuda. And he says, will you come with me to battle? Let's, you know, let's join up teams, our two kingdoms, the kings of the ten tribes and the two tribes, and let's go against Ramez Gilad. And Yehoshaphat says, fine. Yeah, it's a good idea. I'm good with that. You know, it is part of Eretz Yisrael. And I have no problem joining you in battle against um, the Melech Aram. So Yehoshaphat turns to Achav and he says, but let's ask, let's ask a Navi. Let's find out what's the word of Hashem. Is that something that we should do? Will we be victorious? So Achav says, sure. 
And he gathers Nevi'im, except Achav's Nevi'im are Nevi'i Habal. So, Vayikbos Melech Yisrael as a Nevi'im, Ka'arba Meyesish, about 400 Nevi'im. And he says, should I go to Ramos Gimel to Mulchama or should I not? And they say, go, sure, no problem. Go and, and you'll be successful. And Yehoshaphat says, um, I wasn't looking for these guys. He says, Vayemer Yehoshaphat, Ha'in Poinavi Hashem Oid. Is there no Navi who's a Navi for Hashem? I want to ask a Navi for Hashem. Um, and Achav says, well, yeah, there is one. There is a Navi for Hashem, but I don't like him. Because he's not going to say good things about me. The Navi Hashem and I don't get along very well. And he is Michayahu, the same Michayahu ben Yimla. And I don't want to ask him because I, I, I think if he's a Navi for Hashem, he's probably going to say Nevuah against me. But Yeshua says, no. He says, if you want me to join you, I have to hear from a Navi Hashem. So Achav calls this uh, Michayahu and, and they, they call for him. They send a messenger and they bring him. And the Melech Yisrael, Achav and Yehoshua are sitting together. And all of these Nevi'im of Baal are standing before them and saying Nevu is for the Baal. And there was one of the Nevi'i Habal there. His name was Tzidkiah ben Knaina, Pasuk Yudalef. And he says he formed um, like horns, like horns of an axe, but horns made out of barzel, out of uh, iron or metal. And he says, Koyamar Hashem, this is what Hashem said, with these you will be able to destroy Aram and his kingdom. And all the Nevi'a Baal are saying, you know, I'm in here, here, yeah, whatever he says. We'll be able to go to Ramiz Hagila, and we'll be Matzliach, and Hashem will give you in the hands of the king. This is all the Nevi'a Baal talking. Now comes Michayo, and he shows up, and he sees what's going on with all these Nevi'a Baal. And the, 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 tell, um, the messenger tells Michayo, look, all the Nevi Habal are telling Achav what he wants to hear. They're telling him to go do the Tzmachama. You should do the same. And Rio answers the Pasuk and he says, Chai Hashem, I swear by Hashem, Ki Yomer Hashem Eli, Adaber. I say what Hashem tells me to say. It doesn't matter what anyone else says. I'm going to say what I'm told to say. And he comes before the king, and the king says, Mechiyo, should we go forth to Ramiz Gila to battle, or should we not? And Mechiyot says, yeah, go. Go be Matzliach. Go be Matzliach. And Hashem will give it in the hands of the king. But Achav felt that he wasn't really answering. And it's interesting the Mepharshim say, why not? Because typically the, the, the Nevi Hashem would always preface their Nevuah with Koy Amar Hashem. And he didn't say that over here. And Achav was concerned. He's not giving him the whole story. And Achav says, he says, I, I, I'm making you swear. I want you to say exactly what Hashem is telling you. Don't hide anything. And Mechio says, he says the following, he says, I see the vision, what's going to happen. And the Jewish people are all there on the mountaintops, and they're like sheep without a shepherd. And they'll return home in peace, but without their master. And what Mechio was saying was that Achav was going to die in this war. He said, the, the Jewish people will be fine in the war, they'll be victorious in the war. But they're going to come home without their master. Achav is going to meet his end in this war. That was the nevuah of Mechiyom. So Achav turns to Yehoshaphat and he says, I told you that this person is not going to say good nevuah for me. No, the, the, the Navi for Hashem is, has it out for me. You know, I'm, 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 I'm Achav. And the... Um, 
the Navi Mechiyo continued. And he says, listen, you asked for Dvar Hashem. This is the Dvar Hashem. He says, I see a vision and I see Hashem sitting on his throne and all the hosts of the heavens are standing by Hashem to his right and to his left. Vayoymer Hashem, and Hashem is saying, again, this is all the vision of Mechiyo. Mi yifate es achav v'yal. Who can go and um, the word mefate is like to to seduce. Who's going to convince or seduce Achav to go to this battle in Rama is Gilad? Because I want Achav to go there and Achav is going to meet his end there, Hashem says. And the Ruach, a spirit, came before Hashem. And Chazal say, who's that spirit? That's the spirit of Novos, who Achav had killed. The Neshama of Novos, who Achav had killed, came before Hashem. He says, I'm going to go. I'm going to go and I'm going to get Achav to go and go to that battle. And Hashem said, how are you going to do it? And the spirit of Novi says, I will go and I'm going to be the spirit of the Neviyeh HaShaker, of the false prophets. And they're going to tell Achav to go. And Achav is going to listen. And that's how Achav is going to die. So Michael turns to Achav and he says, and this is all of your false Nevi'im, your 400 Nevi'im over here who are all prophesizing that everything is going to be good. You should know this is the spirit of Novos that's coming to take revenge in you and that you're going to die because of this. What does happen? Here he comes. Oh, are you back? Yeah, I don't know. I'm testing one, two, three. I'm very sorry. I don't know what but happened. You're on mute, Rabbi Silverberg. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, do you hear me? You were, there we go. You were frozen. You got to the part of Hashem said to the spirit of Navos, How are you going to convince Achav to go to battle? You left us hanging. No, no, I, I, fin- <laughs> I, I finished the chapter already. I'm sorry. I don't know where you were. Yeah. <laughs> 
So, right. No, so, okay. So, uh, basically, Michio was standing there and telling Achav that all of these false prophets that are telling you to go to battle, they're just saying the words of Novos, who's, who's there to convince you to go to battle. Now, you think that Achav would, would therefore not go to battle. But no, Achav believed the false prophets. In other words, ah. in other words, Navos had his way. So here you have Vayigash in Pasuk of Dalid that Sidkiyahu ben Knaina, who's one of the false prophets, comes over and he smacks Michio in the face. And he says, what are you talking about? A spirit of Hashem is telling us things. We're prophets. We're not, we're not saying Navos' things. We're prophets. And Michio turns to this... Um, Tzidkiyo, who just slapped him in the face, and he says, we'll see. You know what? He says, we'll see when you'll be hiding in a room within a room because you'll realize that you people will have caused the death of your king. And Achav is listening to all this. And Achav is swayed by the words of the prophets, which was the plan. That's what Neville said he was going to do. And Achav says, take Michio and arrest him. Michio, the Navi Emes, the real Emes. Arrest Michio and keep him in jail until we see what happens over here. And that's what they do. They put him into jail. And Michio says, he says, take me to jail. He says, one thing I'm saying, if Achav returns alive from this battle, then Hashem did not speak with me. Right? He says, I'm, I'm standing by what I'm saying. Hashem told me Achav is not coming back from this battle. He said, All the nations should hear my nevuah. Achav is not coming back from this battle. No. After this, they take away Michio, the Melech Yisrael, and Yehoshaphat Melech Yehuda go up to Ramez Gilad. By the way, um, Michio said to go to battle. He didn't say not to go to battle. He said go to battle. And not just that, he said they'll be successful in battle. But he said Achav is going to die. So, Melech Yisrael, Achav, and Yehoshaphat go up towards Ramez Gilad. And, but Achav is a little nervous. <laughs> he is a little nervous. So he says, he says, you know what? I'm going to dress up. Um, how do you say? Yeah. I'm going to disguise, disguise, right? I'll put on a disguise. I'll camouflage. So nobody should know who I am. And you, the Malach Yehuda, you can go because, because no one's uh, looking for you anyway. It's not your kingdom. You're just a guest here. And that's what happens. So Achav uh, disguised himself. They go into battle. The king of Aram tells his his um, his ministers. This is, and he says, "Don't fight anyone. Just all I want is the king." That's what the king of Aram says. All I want is the king. Now, so they go out to battle. The king, the soldiers of Aram go into battle, and they have one mission. Their objective is they want the king of the Jewish people. And who do they see? They see Yehoshaphat, and they think Yehoshaphat is the king they're looking for. Because again, Achav is in disguise. So they see Yehoshaphat and they come towards him. And Yehoshaphat sees them coming and Yehoshaphat cries out to Hashem. And the Gemara says that really at this point, Yehoshaphat's life was in very extreme danger. And the reason is because it was a, um, there was a, uh, a, a decree against him in heaven because he had gone together with Achav to war. Achav was, Yehoshaphat was a tzaddik. But Achav was a Russia. Why, why, why did Yeshua go with Achav to war? And therefore, in heaven at this point, there was a big debate whether you should be saved or not. But Yeshua, it says, cries out to Hashem, and the tzara is averted. 
which is basically the soldiers when they come to get him, the, uh, the soldiers of Aram, they realize that's not the person we're looking for. He's not the king of Israel. He's not the king of the ten tribes. Right? Am I being cured? Yeah, okay, okay. I got a message that my internet is unstable. Okay. So the the people realize he's not the king, so they left him. And then it says that one of the archers who threw, who shoot arrows just shot an arrow into the battle and not realizing it, that arrow hits Achav. And Achav is removed from the battlefield mortally wounded. Again, nobody was trying to reach him. They didn't know who he was. It was just a stray arrow that hit, uh, hit, that hit Achav. And um, the battle continued throughout the day. Achav was in a carriage, in a, uh, some type of a chariot, wounded, and ultimately he died. He died in that, in the chariot. And the sound, the, the news made its way through the, uh, through the Jewish uh, battle, uh, the, uh, army, that the king is dead. The king is dead, and everyone should just disperse. And that's what happened. They dispersed, and they went home. They didn't lose the battle, but exactly as the Navi said, the, the battle was finished, Achav was dead, and the, the people went home. They went back to their homes. The Pasuk says, Vayomas HaMelech, this is where Achav dies, and he's brought back to Shomron, and he's buried over there. And it's interesting, it says, that every detail of the Nevim said it happened, it says that he, he was basically, he died in the chariot, and his blood... Hello? You have to unmute Rabbi Silverberg. Hello? Yeah, now we can hear you. Yeah, I'm sorry, I don't know what's with the internet tonight here. But basically, so Achav died in the chariot and he was bleeding from the wounds that he had. And they, they washed out the chariot and the dogs who were there came and they, they licked the blood from the chariot as the Navi said. When it, when it said that he was going to be punished and that, that just like he had killed Novos and the dogs licked up, lapped up his blood, the same thing happened with Achav as the Novi had said. And the Pasuk finishes, Pesach Lamates, and says all the rest of the stories of Achav and the, uh, the towers, the, the palaces that he built for himself included, a pa- including a palace built out of um, ivory, says, that he built and the cities that he had is always written on the histories of that time and ultimately Achav dies and his son Ahaziyahu becomes the next king after him. Ahaziyahu, son of Achav. Um, and actually, as I was just before the class, so uh, Hindi, my wife, asked me what I'm teaching. And I said about Achav. And she asked me a question that I don't know the answer for. And I didn't have time to look into it. She asked, Is Achav, was Achav's son Jewish? Because if he was the son of Izevel, Izevel wasn't a Jewish woman. And, ah- and Achazio is considered the next king. So she asked me, like, what's the story? Did he have a Geirus or was he another wife? So I don't know the answer to that question. And believe neither, I will look into it. Um, and if I have an answer and I remember, I'll share it with you. Um, be it as, a way, as it may, so Achav dies and his son Achazio who becomes after, king after him. Now we go back to the other side. You have Yehoshaphat, right? Because Yehoshaphat was the one who had gone to battle together with Achav. The Pasuk says, Yehoshaphat was the son of Asa, and he became king in the fourth year that Achav was the king over the Jewish people. 
He was 35 years old when he became the king. He, he was king for 25 years. And Asa went in the ways of his father. Um, I'm sorry, Yehoshaphat went in the ways of his father Asa, which is going in the proper ways of Hashem. Um, he didn't remove all of the bamos. There were still bamos, which are which are different types of mizbeachs outside of the Beis Hamikdash. The people bring kabbanos, which was a problem, and they were not all removed. But yet, he was considered a king who was a tzaddik. Um, and again, how many years did he reign? It says twenty-five. Twenty-five years. Twenty-five years. And again, the pasuk says that the the gvuras, the, the strengths of Yoshef and his battles, are written on the histories of the time, and the Navi doesn't go into the details about that. Um, it says at some point there were boats that were made by Yoshafat to go to different places and bring back gold, um, but they didn't happen at the end. And at some point, Ahaziyahu, and here, interesting, just like just like Yehoshaphat went together with Ahav to a battle, Ahaziyahu, the son of Ahav, um, asked Yehoshaphat again. He says, can we go together? And was in these ships that you created to go and be gold and wealth to Jewish people. And here Yoshefa says, no. He says, I learned my mistake by going together with your father was a Russia. I'm not going to go with, with, you, with you as well. Because Ahaziyahu went in the ways of Ahav. He was a Russia like his father Ahav versus Yehoshaphat, who was a tzaddik like his father um, Asa. And ultimately he says, at the, we don't have more about Yehoshaphat's lifetime, that he passed away and he was buried with his fathers in Ir David. The uh, Perikah finishes with that Ahaziyahu was the king for 17, uh, I'm sorry, Ahaziyahu became the king when it was 17 years into Yehoshaphat's reign, and Ahaziyahu was only a king for two years. Vayas Hashem, he did evil in the eyes of Hashem, he, he went in the ways of his father Ahav, in the ways of his mother Izevel, and in the ways of Yeravam ben Nevot, right, which is the, the lineage of the king of the ten tribes. He, he served the Baal, and, um, and bowed to the Baal, and he angered Hashem as his father and the kings before him did as well. And that is how the Sefer finishes. So the Sefer finishes really with Ahaziyahu, son of Ahav, um, his reign over the ten tribes, and he was a Russia, son of a Russia, versus Yehoshaphat, who just completed his reign over the two tribes, and he was a Tzaddik, the son of a Tzaddik, Asa, and that's where we finish uh, the Sefer Malachim Aleph, at that point of the kings of the Jewish people. Can I ask a quick question? Of course. So you said before that he, Ahab, did some kind of tshuva, and because of that, he wouldn't die, or he wouldn't uh, lose in 